Father God, we come to you today in the magnificent name of Jesus. Lord, we want to just pray today that wherever we are emotionally, physically, and spiritually, Lord, that you would meet us at our very place of need and that you would minister to us with such nearness and with such tenderness, Lord, that we would experience your life-changing power. Lord, we submit our ways and our thoughts to you today and we ask that you would refine us and purify us, Lord, so that we would reflect your glory in all that we do, Lord. And may we be Christians that advance your kingdom mission in this world. And Lord, as I bring your word of truth today, I pray that you would anoint my lips and the ears of those listening. I ask this all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You're welcome to take your seats. Thank you to our worship team this morning. Let's give them a round of applause. Wow, it's difficult to preach after that. Well, church, I'm, I'm really glad to be with you this morning. And today, I'm going to share part three of our sermon series, If Not Now, When? I trust that the series has been as significant as it has for you, and that is it has challenged you as, it, as much as it has challenged me in the different areas of our lives. Right? I think it has challenged some of us. So if you felt a little bit uncomfortable after last week's message, that's okay. Because the Lord corrects the ones that He loves and He, he chastens the ones whom He receives. So you know what, church? Feel privileged if the Lord is challenging your thinking week after week because He wants you to prosper in all areas of your life. Right? After last week's message, some people said to me in the gardens, Pastor, you could have at least preached that message on another day. Not on a day when we, we get getting together as a family and when we're feasting. All I can say to that, well, I can't really say anything to that, except that the Lord's timing is perfect. <laughs> and if not now, when, right? <laughs> Church, one thing that I've realized through this series in the past couple of weeks, and maybe you've come to that place yourself, but what I've realized is that when you start prioritizing what's important in one area of your life, it's like the Lord starts showing you all the other areas where you need to grow. And I think why this happens, church, is because when you take a step back and start getting serious about making the necessary changes in your life, the Lord says, while you're in that frame of mind, fix this, or, you know, spend more time on that, or less time on this. And I want to really encourage you this morning. When that happens, don't pull back and say, you know what, that's just, it's just too much, and it's just too hard, and you fall back into the same rut, and you fall back into the same cycle. Push on and get to the core of what needs to change in your life. Listen to what the Lord is saying and allow Him to refine you and mold you. Allow the potter to mold you to become the man or the woman that He's, he's called you to be. Because church, we have to break the cycles in our lives. You see, the devil wants your life story to be a sequel that keeps playing the same story of failure the same story of disappointment, fear and helplessness, the same story of addiction. He's okay for you to keep on missing the mark and keep falling back into sin because, well, he hates you. Right? I was reminded of a, a song this week which is called Cycles. And it speaks about the devil keeping you in cycles because he wants to steal your joy, your peace, and your faith. Right? It says you'll learn from your mistakes 
even if you don't. And so he'll keep you in cycles your whole life if you let him. But can I declare this morning that we are going to break these cycles in our lives? Amen. Amen. Can I declare that as a church we are going to break the cycles of depression, helplessness, the cycles of fear and anxiety, the cycles of bad physical and, and mental health, and the cycles of financial pressures, the cycles of addiction, generational cycles, the cycles of busyness where you don't have enough time to grow spiritually. Right? We're going to break those cycles and if not now, when are we going to do it? Throughout this series, we've been looking at our perfect example, Jesus, and how Jesus kept improving in life, how he kept increasing. And Luke chapter 2 says, Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. We focused on week one, we focused on the importance of wisdom. And that we need to ask God for wisdom when we make or when we go through various trials in our lives. As well as using wisdom to make the right choices. This is making a bit of a noise. Are we okay? Remember, church, wisdom is the application of knowledge. And we have declared the month of November as the month of wisdom at Frontline Church as we all read the book of Proverbs together. And as we incline our ear to what the Lord is saying, right? Last week we spoke about the importance of taking care of our bodies and the real motivation behind this church is because God created my body, right? Jesus died for my body. God's Spirit lives inside of my body, right? I'm expected, let me hang on a sec. <laughs> I'm connected to Christ's body, right? One day He's going to resurrect my body. And because of that amazing reality, I'm expected to manage my body, and one day I'll give an account for it. That's my spiritual regions. That's my spiritual worship. And church, just so that we're clear on this, taking care of your bodies is more than just about what you eat. Right? Yes, that's a big part of it, but it also means exercise. It also means resting enough every day. It means letting go of the substances that are controlling you. It even means, church, managing what you allow to control your thinking, what you fill your brain with. Remember, your brain is a physical organ. It's a part of your body. And what happens up here has a tremendous impact, not just on your mental health, but also on your physical well-being. And church, right throughout the series, you know, as soon as I wanted to go on to the next phase of the message the Lord is saying just just hang on a bit and so today I really want to get into some of the practical applications of we of how we should be taking care of these various areas of our lives and and what we need to be aware of because you know church we can speak about the importance of the body for instance but but what does that mean where do we start how do I make this practical for my life and what I want to show you today, church, is that God cares about the things that make you a complete person. Just have a look at the heart of God. It says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 to 10, it says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Church, why should God bother commanding us to rest? Because He knows that the body is important. 
God is commanding you to rest because it is good for the body. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So work a maximum of five or six days, but in the seventh day, take a Sabbath. And church, what I want to encourage you is not to become legalistic about which day is the Sabbath. I know there's lots of differences in opinion when it comes to this. Is it on the Saturday? Is it on, on the Sunday? The Bible says six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Every seventh day is the Sabbath. You know, in the days of Jesus, the Jews took the Sabbath on a Saturday. The Jews still take a Sabbath on a Saturday. In our Christian culture, it's normally on a Sunday. For pastors, most pastors have their Sabbath day on a Monday because they, they work on a Sunday. So don't be legalistic about which day it is. Every seventh day is the Sabbath. You must rest because God wants you to take care of your body. God wants to restore your body. And this is what happens when you rest. Church, this is why sleeping between seven, eight, and, seven and eight hours a day is so important when it comes to living a balanced life. Because when you sleep, a restoration process begins to take place. Your body replenishes its energy and repairs cells, tissues, and muscles. You need this, day, this phase of the day to feel awake and refreshed the next day. Right? I think that's pretty self-explanatory. But, but look at what else proper sleep can do for you. When you sleep, your brain's glymphatic system clears out waste from the central nervous system it removes toxic byproducts from your brain, which build up throughout the day. This allows your brain to work well when you wake up. Research suggests that sleep contributes to memory function by, by converting short-term memories into long-term memories, as well as by erasing or forgetting unneeded information that might otherwise clutter the nervous system. Similarly, sleep is necessary for emotional health because during sleep, brain activity increases in areas that regulate emotion, thereby supporting healthy brain function and emotional stability. One example of how sleep can help regulate emotion occurs in the amygdala. This part of the brain located in the temporal lobe is in charge of the fear response. It's what controls your reaction when you, when you face a perceived threat like a stressful situation. When you get enough sleep, the amygdala can respond in a more adaptive way, can respond properly. But when you sleep deprived, it's more likely to overreact. And church, did you know that sleep even controls your weight? Amen to that, huh? Sleep more. <laughs> Sleep affects your weight by controlling hunger hormones. These hormones include ghrelin, which increases appetite, and leptin, which increases the feeling of being full after eating. During sleep, ghrelin decreases because you're using less energy than when you're awake. Lack of sleep, however, elevates ghrelin and suppresses leptin. These imbalances make you hungry, which may increase the risk of eating more calories and gaining weight. Sleep also is also important for a healthy immune system and proper insulin function. So I think we gather that sleep is important, right? It's important for God. God wants you to rest. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 4, verse 8, 
In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. In other words, God says, I've got your back, so don't stress. You guys, you just sleep. And in Psalm 127, verse 2, it says, It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. You see, church, God commands us to do things like resting because he knows how it affects so many different aspects of our lives. He cares about every little detail of your life. Did you know that? You see, God knows about all the health benefits when it comes to resting. But he also knows that if I don't have enough sleep, I'm going to be an impatient person. I'm going to be impatient with other people and I might not exercise much self-control because I'm emotionally tired. What happens then is that I'm not flowing in the fruits of the Spirit. I'm actually flowing in the fruits of the flesh. And what do you think is more important to God? And you know what, church? You can be as spiritual as you like. And you can even quote all nine fruits of the Spirit, right? But if you're not a rested Christian, you're going to be quoting some other words when someone cuts you off in traffic, right? (laughs) Who's been there? (laughs) So like I said last week, don't compartmentalize your body and your spirit in your Christian journey and say that the body isn't important. They are both important. And what is the motivation? Why do we want to get balance in the different areas of our lives? Because church, in whatever we do, we don't want to undercut our ability to serve God. Come on. We don't want to undercut our ability to develop and operate in the fruits of the Spirit. And what fruits are we commanded to develop in our our Christian journey, in our sanctification process? Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 to 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Look at what it says. Against such things there is no law. So church, as Christians, we do whatever we can to develop these fruits. And if that means that I have to have more rest, that's what I have to do. If that means that I must exercise more and get a personal trainer to help me put a program together, that's what I have to do. If that means that I need to go and visit a dietitian to help with me with my diet, I must make that a priority in my life. If that means that I need to spend less hours at work to increase the time that I spend with the Lord, studying His commands for my life, I cannot compromise on making those choices. Church, because anything that helps me develop fruit that leads to Christ-likeness, I have to make that a priority in my life. You see, church, there are so many things that can fill our lives that aren't necessarily growing as close to God and are in turn preventing us from producing fruit in our lives. Right? There's a way that a man thinks is right, but, but not according to Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. Look at what it says. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. There are so many things that can fill our lives that aren't necessarily growing us closer to God and are in turn preventing us from developing fruit in our lives. 
Let me give you an example. It's something that I've, I've spoken about briefly in one of my sermons in the beginning of the year. Church, do you know what is one of the biggest problems that we're facing today to finding the right balance in life? It is called computer internet addiction, cell phone addiction, or social media addiction. Are you aware of the dangers of cell phones, of social media, of Facebook and Instagram, computer games? I'm talking about in excess. Many people don't realize the danger. There is enough evidence based on scientific research that, this, that your cell phone is deceiving you into thinking that multitasking is okay. Multitasking is not okay. It reduces your productivity by 40%. Did you know that? Cell phone technology or social media is now an epidemic. It's become an addiction. And look, there's nothing wrong with technology, church, but the addiction to it is having a major impact on this generation. And I know this is going to challenge some of us today. This is going to challenge some parents today because cell phones, computer games, and, and social media have become a part of life in this generation. And if we're honest with ourselves, it's sometimes the easiest way to keep our children busy these days, right? Because if you want to keep your kids busy or just keep them quiet, you just give them a gadget. You give them a cell phone or an iPad, and they suddenly become quiet. It's so easy. It's so convenient. Even children as young as two years old are now playing on cell phones and, and iPads, and we think, you know what, it's so cute. You know, they're so clever. They can, they can actually operate these devices. But church, what we're failing to realize is that these devices are affecting the first five years of their lives. When the brain is developing, it's going to affect their brain development negatively. And our children are becoming addicted to these devices younger and younger. And you say addiction, addiction is quite a heavy word. But church, do you know how you can tell if your child is addicted to their cell phone or computer games? The symptoms of addiction, church, if you take it away from them, they become angry or they become irritable, right? That's how you know someone is addicted to something. And it's not only with little children. We know it's with, with older children as well. Teenagers are staying awake later and later and spending on average as much as six hours a day on social media and gaming. As much as 25% of teenagers wake up during the night to check their social media status. And church, this is affecting them more than you think. It's not just the amount of time that they're spending on this. There's a medical term, church, called anhedonia. Anhedonia. And this refers to a condition where you have the inability to gain pleasure from normally pleasurable exercises or experiences. It refers to the re reduced ability to experience the simple pleasures of life. You know why? Because of dopamine. Are you familiar with, with dopamine? When you play on your cell phones, you play computer games, it brings a certain pleasure and it can cause an addiction. It does something to the chemical in your brain. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter in the brain that makes you feel good. Our brains are designed to release dopamine when we do something that meets a survival need. 
And countless studies have shown that phone activity causes the release of dopamine in our brains, making us feel aroused, motivated, and happy. But each time you did something that prompted the release of dopamine, your brain started to notice a pattern. Soon enough, your brain began to associate cell phone or computer games with dopamine. And since your brain naturally craves easy hits of dopamine, it started to crave your phone, it started to crave computer games. And when you perform a specific behavior over and over again that triggers a certain reward, that pattern becomes etched into your neural pathways. Soon enough, your brain begins to crave that reward all the time. The problem compounds because the next time you want pleasure, right, you need more and you need more and you need more. And church, this is why people become addicted to pornography. Because it starts with just a little look at something that may be a little inappropriate and if you don't cut it off there, dopamine kicks in and before you know it, you're looking at the most vile pornography you can ever imagine. And even though you're sitting there with so much guilt, the brain is craving that pleasure. But church, I want to say this morning, if you can identify the enemy, you can destroy it. Come on. That's why we speak messages like this. We want to identify the enemy. If you can identify the cycle, you can break it in Jesus' name. Amen. And church, I know that I'm bombarding you with lots of information this morning. I'm getting very technical, but... What I want you to see, church, is that the, the complexities of what God has created in these incredible bodies of ours. And if we don't manage them properly, they don't operate, away, operate the way that they should. Right? Simple. Your body is created and designed for a purpose. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Look at what Psalm 139 says. It's a beautiful passage of scripture. It says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. That's beautiful, right? You are intricately woven together by God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Can I say that you are a walking miracle? Right? So treasure what God has given to you. Now, church, can I ask you some self-examining questions this morning? I'm not going to ask you any questions that I haven't asked myself as the Lord has been leading me through this process of, of finding balance in my life. But can I ask you some self-examining questions? In other words, questions that you'll go home and ask yourself and do a bit of introspection a bit later. And this is not to condemn anyone. This is just to bring awareness this morning. Because I want us to start breaking some cycles this morning. Amen? Let's start with the simplest thing. How many of you exercise at least three to four times a week? Raise your hands. I'll be honest with you, I'm not doing that at the moment, so I can't raise my hand. And this is something that I've identified that I need to change, right? 
So tick that box if you need to change in that area of your life. And church, if that means that you need to get a personal trainer to help you, or even just speaking to someone in our church that you know and can see that is disciplined in that area of their life, ask for help. Come on. We're going to be starting some interest groups in our church over the next couple of months, which may include a walking club, a running club. Right? Like I said, we're going to do this together. Amen? Does that sound good? (laughs) Ruloff, would you stand for me for a moment? Ruloff is going to be starting a a football evening on on Tuesday nights here at the the church ground or the, or the, the school ground. So if you want to Join him on, on 6 to 7 on, on Tuesday evenings. Come and see Ruloff after the service. We're going to do this together. I mean, that was his suggestion. Well done. The next question, church. How many of you are eating properly? I know this is a difficult one, church, because eating well is not easy, especially if you're busy, because you just want to grab the quickest thing, the easiest thing, right? And that's it's not always the best thing. And I know for me, church, you know, when I'm having a bit of a rough day and or can't sleep at night, I just want to go to my kitchen and all I want to do is eat a packet of salt and vinegar crisps. It's the most satisfying thing, you know. <laughs> but you know what I've realized through this series, church, is you're free to do whatever you want, but not everything you do is beneficial for you. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. I'm free to eat whatever I want to eat, but not everything I eat is beneficial for me, right? Pastor Ronell says it like this. If it doesn't preserve your strength to do the will of God or whatever he asks of you, don't do it. Right? Makes sense, right? So if that's an area where you need to improve church, tick that box. The next question, how many of you are having proper sleep at night? At least seven to eight hours a day. I know Frankie's got no problems with that, eh, Tranks? <laughs> and if you're a, a mom or dad of a four-month-old baby, you're probably thinking, get real, Pastor, that's not going to happen in my life. Not now, anyway. But for everyone else, if that's an area where you're struggling, church, and where you need to make some changes, tick that box. And often sleep comes right when you get balance in other areas of your life. Next question, how many of you have set limits on yours and your children's cell phones and other devices? And I know this is a bit of a, bit of a tough one here, a bit of a sensitive one, but parents, can I suggest that you set limits on all the devices in your home? Because if there is scientific evidence that it's having a negative impact on brain development, increased dopamine levels that lead to a lifestyle of addiction as well as the the inability to interact socially one-on-one then how can we allow to continue and you know what we need to model this behavior parents because we can't tell our children to have discipline in this area when we're on our phones all the time as well right and you know what church spend time together as a family put away your cell phones at the dinner table. Play board games with your children. Put the phones away. And can I make another suggestion? When you send your children to children's church or to youth, don't send them with their cell phones. I promise you they're not going to die without their cell phones for for two to three hours, right? (laughs) 
I know this is a tough one, church, because this has become a way of life, but if it's not beneficial for them and beneficial for us, then as parents, we have to make the necessary changes, right? We have to take that responsibility. Tick that box now. Make the choice now to control technology or it's going to end up controlling you. Next question. How many of you are taking substances that are having a negative impact on your mental and physical well-being? And you don't have to raise your hands to this. But church, if this is something that you need, that you know that is controlling your life and having mental or physical side effects on your body, then tick that box now and get help. Come and see one of the counselors at our church and let's get breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Amen? The last question I want to ask you today, church. How many of you have set time aside for God every day? We're going to focus on growing in our relationship with God next week. But if we're talking about practical examples, church, of balance this week, then we can't leave out the foundation of our day, which is time with the Lord, praying, reading, and studying the Word of God. You know, just like John Maxwell says, everything rises and falls on leadership. Your day rises and falls on the foundation and leadership of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to focus more on that next week. So church, I know that I've given you lots of info this morning. As I I close today, what we've been speaking about today, church, is going to require some, some serious discipline, I know. It's going to require us bringing our bodies into subjection for the glory of God. That's our motivation. That's our purpose. I want you to have a look at what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It'll be our last passage today. It says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body. Church, that word discipline there literally means to beat your body black and blue. I buffet my body. I beat my body black and blue. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. That is a serious scripture right there. And church, I was reading the the Bible commentaries from Matthew Henry, and I'll quote it for you. He says, Paul sets before himself and the Corinthians and us reading today, the danger of yielding to fleshly desires and pampering the body and its lusts and appetites. Paul says, I keep my body under subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be cast away. You know what he's saying? Even a preacher of the gospel can miss it. He may show others the way to heaven and never get there himself. You don't understand how serious I take that scripture. 
To prevent this, Paul took so much pains in subduing and keeping under bodily inclinations and discipline in his body, lest by any means he himself, who had preached to others, should yet miss the crown, be disapproved and rejected by his sovereign God. A holy fear of himself was necessary to preserve the faithfulness of an apostle, and how much much more necessary is it for our preservation? That's what Matthew Henry says. Church, that is our serious balance, balancing our life is. That is how serious it is. And it's necessary to break those cycles in our lives. And church, what is our motivation? We want to do it for the glory of God, right? We want to be sanctified body, soul, and spirit. Amen. Are you with me on this church? Are we going to do this together? Are we going to break those cycles? If you're with me this morning, give the Lord a great shout of praise. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we want to thank you for your word this morning. And we want to thank you, Lord, that you care about every little detail of our lives. It is our prayer this morning that you would lead us to finding balance in our lives so that we will become Christians that operate in the fullness of what you've called us to be and flow naturally in the fruits of the Spirit. We pray today, Lord, that you would begin this work in us so that we can push back against the enemy's plan to keep us in these cycles of our lives that steal our joy, our hope, our peace, and our faith. We declare that there is power in the name of Jesus to break these cycles. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Church, there is power in the name of Jesus to break these cycles. Amen. You may be sitting there thinking, how am I going to do this? We're going to do this by the power of Jesus Christ. Right? We're going to do this together, but we're going to allow the Lord to lead us. Amen. How does that song go, Kirk? There is power in the name of Jesus. Sing it with me. There is power in the name of Jesus there is power in the name of Jesus to break every cycle to break every cycle to break every cycle to break every cycle cycle. one more time there is power in the name of Jesus there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every cycle, to break every cycle, to break every cycle, to break every cycle. There is power. Let's give the Lord a great shout of praise. Well, Amen Church, it's been so, so good to be with you this morning. Those in the house, those that are watching online, we look forward to seeing you again next week. Have a blessed Sunday further. Be a blessing to someone this week. In Jesus' name, Amen.